Hi, this is Beth Capici and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. This is Beth Capucci, and today we're going to be talking about careers and finding your calling and your purpose. And I have a special friend here named Amanda who has a lot to share and has had a really unique journey to through life and to figure out, you know, how she's gonna carve her path through life and figuring out what her strengths and weaknesses are. And I'm really passionate about this topic because so many teenagers and young adults feel very overwhelmed and lost and confused. And sometimes, you know, 14 or 15 year olds will be saying, I feel like I'm behind. I should know what I'm going to do. And, you know, people in their twenties that have finished college that still can't figure out what to do and don't know the formula for getting there. So Amanda has some really neat experiences and adventures. So I wanted to bring her here today to talk a little bit about her journey through all of her career stuff. So hi, Amanda. Hi, Beth. <clears throat> do you want to just maybe share your story from either adolescence or yeah, when you were talking, it occurred to me that when I was 12 years old, I wanted a new bike uh -huh. and we had one bike store in our little town and there was a spike in the window and it was a girl's bike with a, people probably don't even know, a banana seat and sissy uh -huh. bars and streamers on the handlebars yeah. and I couldn't wait and my mom and dad took me to town and I get my bike and they <clears throat> tell the man that which bike to would you know get me my bike and they pulled out this burgundy schwinn plain no speed bike <laughs> i was like no that's not the bike i want i want that bike in the window uh -huh. and my dad said you want that bike you're gonna have to get a job and right then i thought oh this is how this works so i went and got a paper route and then i also helped a little newspaper man down the street um print envelopes i was a side job on saturdays and um i had that bike in three months and oh I have goodness. been doing odd jobs and then, you know, jobs ever since. So like one little <clears> statement, <throat> if you want that bike, you have to get a job and something clicked and you said, okay, I just have to start doing something. If I want something, I need to like figure out a way to make a little extra money to get that better thing. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so you were approaching that at that extremely young age is not so much, oh, what's my calling? What's my purpose? But just... If you want to buy things, you have to make money. 
Yeah. And you can do anything. I mean, just find something, anything, just get busy. Yeah. When, um, just a little cute example. When I moved to this neighborhood that we live in, uh-huh. there was a little girl that came around and knocked on doors. This was, I guess, 20 years ago. And everybody has their little fenced in backyard and everybody has a little dog. And she said, um, for $5 on Saturdays, I will come and pick up all the dog poop in your yard. And she called her little business duty calls. Oh, I'm so cute. And so, of course, I hired her. And it takes her like 10, 15 minutes. And she had a little little kit, little like a long-held scooper uh-huh. and a buck, five-gallon bucket. And um, the little girl made like 100 bucks every Saturday. That's great money. Yeah, she was 12, I think. But you can do anything, you you know. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so, you know. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, are you putting your hand in front of your mouth? I have this friend in the room and she chimed in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was born, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. when I was, I guess seventh grade is about, what, 14 13, 14, 14, yeah, 12 or 13. So my mom was a smoker mm-hmm. and we had a little corner store and we had a charge account there. And the lady, Betty, that ran the store knew that I could buy cigarettes for my mom because we'd okayed that. And it was a small town and my mom spoke Benson and Hedges menthol lights or <laughs> Bel Air Longs because the store didn't always have a choice. So I paid attention. And when my mom bought her carton of cigarettes mm-hmm. in town, the town that was we would go into for our big grocery shopping on payday. Mm-hmm. I would go to the store and buy a carton of cigarettes and sell them by the piece at the bus stop. What a great little <laughs> idea. Great way to make money. Yeah. So, I mean, you I, started at 12. I started at 12. But you didn't put a lot of pressure on yourself to figure out what is, it's kind of like people thinking there's a soulmate for them out there. People think there's a soul career out there. Right. And I have to figure that out when I'm 15 or 22 and even people like your friend Gail here, who's eavesdropping, mm-hmm. who do choose a career that's a great path, but even that evolves into like, what is your specialty in that field? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, as psychologists, you know, they may not realize how much they love working with couples or adolescents or addictions or right. they get opportunities. So um, well, I really like that. Yeah. And so, and you know, I'm, I'm 55. And because of COVID, I don't really know what I'm going to do next. Mm-hmm. I have some big ideas and I'm kind of excited. I can't wait because I feel like, you know, when I'm 70, I'm going to do something else again. Mm-hmm. I've had long careers. I was a flight attendant for 22 years. Yeah. Um, and what appealed to you about that? Um, traveling, just traveling the whole world. And, um, so it's a cheap way to have an adventure or a paid way to have an adventure. It's a great way to have an adventure. And I had no ties to anyone. I don't have a tight, close-knit family. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a boyfriend. And I just hit the road. And 22 years. 22 that's a years. Career. And then one day I was done. Mm-hmm. And Delta offered, it was Delta, and they offered an early out package. And I took it. And that was in 2008. And mm-hmm. I really didn't look back. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I started my corn dog business. <laughs> yeah, tell us about that. Which was very small. And then, um, like it's just the nature of me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you're just, you just start thinking bigger and making connections. And 
it actually grew so big. I, I got a partner and then it got so big. We split it because I didn't want it to work that much. Mm -hmm. And then it started growing again and then COVID. So now I'm looking at starting a oh, trading post mm -hmm. and um, up in your hometown. Of course, by now, I think I can do all things. So I want to make all the things for the trading posts. And my friends are all talking me off that ledge. Right. You can't do every aspect of every business. <laughs> like to the point of not only do I want to make the candles, I want to make the vessel that holds the candle. <laughs> to which my friend said, dear God, you're never going to get that store open. <laughs> Everything's made from scratch here. But to, and I feel like I have no doubt that I'll be successful on some level because if you get that feeling and you're passionate about it and you go all in. I, I really do think do what you love and you'll be successful. Mm. And, and somebody once said, it's also time on the tools to stick with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know a guy who was a, a bag boy at Publix and just loved the whole Publix, the grocery store stuff. And then he was a manager and then he was a regional manager. And I don't even know what his title is now, but it's way up there. He never went mm -hmm. to college and he makes, you know, half a million dollars a year plus bonuses because mm. he loved grocery, mm -hmm. every aspect of it. Yeah. Some of these little temporary jobs that people have. In fact, I have a friend that when we were in college, we were doing some side babysitting for um, a, a group in Nashville called Sitter Solutions. Oh. And she and I would both do a little bit of babysitting. And she thought, oh, that's a great business. I'm going to start one in Texas where I'm from called Mom's Best Friend. And so she started and it became nannies and even elder care. And it's like, you know, spread around to different cities, little satellites oh in different gosh. cities. And it was like babysitting in college for a little extra money led to a career for her. So, I mean, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's exactly like what you're talking about. Like you didn't overthink it. You just started working. Right. And you didn't think there was some kind of magic answer to your perfect career. I mean, I thought that. Did you? When I was a flight attendant, I thought, well, um, and some people call it what the golden handcuffs. Mm. So you can, you make the max money and then you can get, you can become, I mean, just for example, in the airlines. Then you can be the onboard leader, the leader of the airplane. Then you can fly international. Then you can fly nights. And then you can learn a language. The ladder. You just can keep making more money and more. And then there's a great retirement. So, and then it's seniority-based. So you hold better and better trips. Mm -hmm. So to quit at 22 years when I probably only had 10 or 15 more years to go to hit that pinnacle was like I was crazy. A lot of but people I was, couldn't believe it really done. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just wanted to do something else, which surprised even me mm -hmm. because you have this security, mm -hmm. but I, I don't know. It could be false security too. I, mean, I don't know. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, when you quit something like that and start something else that is successful and now I'm looking at maybe this store, I mean, for sure this store, mm -hmm. then I really start to think, Oh, I could do that. I could do that. Mm -hmm. I, my life's too short. I could have 10 careers, you know, you almost have too many interests, too many ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also, amongst all of this, um, restored houses, mm -hmm. oh, anything 1920 or earlier, like restoration. Our goal was to leave a legacy, take the house and make it brand new. Like it would have been a hundred years ago. So it's good for another hundred years. And it was a super passion, blood, sweat and tears and, you know, 20 mm -hmm. hour days. And, um, 
costs a lot of money to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be great if that could be the only thing I ever had to do. Right. Um, but there was a passion there, and so it was successful. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different things that you love that it wasn't easy for you to find something that you love. And, and if you just do what you love, you'll be successful. Right. That's what I, I mean, I've heard that before. Yeah. And looking back, mm-hmm. <laughs> hindsight's mm-hmm. twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. But um, you kind of have to love it because, as somebody said, if you're not an entrepreneur and choosing your own business, you choose what 20 hours of the day you work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, and really, I, I even love the paperwork to a mm-hmm. point. So I'm okay because I like to be organized. Mm-hmm. I go out better when I'm organized. And I'll sit at my counter, drink a glass of wine with a candle and do paperwork till 1 a.m. But I feel fantastic the next day knowing that I'm like on top of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it. It's you're working for yourself. Right. Rewarding yourself. Yeah. And that and that's a gift that you may take for granted. A lot of people would not want to work for themselves. Right. They don't want to be in charge of a business. But, Mm-mm. you know, it. one of the things that's standing out hearing you talk about this is just the way that we think about life, like mm-hmm. career, is a huge piece of how we approach it or if we get kind of totally stalemated or overwhelmed or paralyzed. And a lot of people get very paralyzed and anxious and they think they're behind and they assume the worst and all that self-talk or those automatic tapes that we play in our heads. I can't even imagine today. Yeah. Being in my twenties. Oh yeah. I mean, if you think about your twenties, you have to pick your career Mm -hmm. that you think has to be forever. You meet your mate, you got to pick your mate, you have kids, you find that house huge mm-hmm. and nothing nothing's forever mm-hmm. in fact we always joke when i'm picking a paint color or something it's taking me forever and one time a friend said to me it's not like you're buying a house and i said and even then mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's not forever either yeah you know and i never went to college mm-hmm. however now what i know at my age and looking back i've i've you know i have a friend that has a very successful business mm-hmm. um and it grosses probably like 25 million a year wow and he said to me what are you gonna do if um you know your the festival business doesn't come back or whatever i said i'm gonna come work for you and you're gonna pay me really good and i'm gonna tell you exactly what you're lacking <laughs> and you know i have the passion and i will fill a need i'm gonna teach you what you didn't learn in business school and he said you're exactly right you'll know you you can come in and say oh here's where you're self-taught me. through experience. Yeah. So I don't even stress. I would have a passion working uh-huh. for someone else if there was a niche I could fill. Uh-huh. You right. Know? So even that's entrepreneurial. Uh-huh. Well, I think half the battle truly is just assuming, almost like faith, like believing it's going to happen even before you've seen it happen. Like, you know, it's going to uh-huh. happen. Uh-huh. Like, I'll figure it out. And just do something. You'll find your niche. You can make ends meet. I tell people all the time, I'm like, you don't have to make a lot of money if you live in a tiny house. And those are really popular. Yeah. Or you could share a house with like 10 different people and live very low cost and find something you love to do. And, you know, just kind of think of life from different angles and just do something you enjoy. Yeah. Just start something. Oh, Um, I always said, somebody said, "What what would happen if you suddenly found yourself, you know, 
broke. Mm-hmm. I said, I would have the cutest trailer in that trailer park I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, life will be an adventure no matter what. And I don't worry about it. Yeah. And I can tell that. And I feel like you really emulate what one of my favorite things to tell these young adults or teenagers that are really worried is it's going to be an adventure and you will figure it out. Quit overthinking it. Quit assuming there's some kind of magic solution right now that you have to figure out, like read the future, just start doing something. And like you said about the guy that worked at Publix, like he didn't expect that to be a lifetime career. No. So when I was a flight attendant, loving life, uh-huh. if you would have said, hey, in 12 years, you're going to quit and sell corn dogs at festivals, I would have thought that was the craziest thing ever. Uh-huh. And that, and then 10 years ago, if you would have said, hey, you're going to, you know, your business is going to stop and you're going to open a store. Mm-hmm. I would have said, I don't know anything about stores, right? but I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean... I don't know what's next. I don't know what's coming, but instead of being afraid, I'm kind of excited. Yeah. You like the unknown and the adventure and you know, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And and the world's changing so fast Mm -hmm. that you you just don't know what's coming around the corner. You have to reinvent yourself and, you know, maybe reconfigure things. You don't know who you're going to meet. I have a friend who's a flight attendant and she has a son and he just turned 18 and he was going to go to college and on recruiting day at this little local Southern college, there was a talent scout there looking for influencers. Mm-hmm. They have some house in Atlanta. They're putting 10 people in there and it's some big influencer that's going to take the, they, they chose this kid and he, he postponed college and moved to the influencer house. I mean, you don't know what's next. What a, cool opportunity right and he said to his mom i don't know what's gonna i don't know i mean he said tv people were here the other day i don't know who any of these tv people are i've never looked into this kind of stuff they lived on a farm Mm -hmm. outside of atlanta so they're pretty isolated you just don't know yeah so if you try to plan it and and control it Mm -hmm. you might miss something Mm -hmm. you're right what you said faith Mm -hmm. that uh i mean if you really think about it when have, when have you ever really, even the times when you fell through the crack a little bit, you didn't yeah, fall. Yeah, you just have to take a leap and also just put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people that are paralyzed, and I can understand it, they are so overwhelmed and overthinking and paralyzed, they just don't even know which way to go. Yep. And they don't do anything. Well, I can tell you too, as a boss, mm-hmm. so I've been a boss and yeah. I'm a pretty good boss. Yeah. Um, Go to your boss and say, hey, how do I grow here? Where do you, what do I need to do mm-hmm. to move up? Where Where do you need it? Which mm-hmm. track do you need it to where I can get the highest, fastest? And mm-hmm. every boss has that. They like a self-starter. They like a self-thinker. Mm-hmm. They want you to ask that question. And I can tell you exactly what I need. It's interesting. One of my big soapboxes with people is to just kind of, I call it creating a user's guide or a manual to yourself. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is how I work. This is how I tick. These are my strengths and weaknesses. You know, this is, I'm a morning person or a night person, or I'm a detail person, or I'm a really busy, like just right. work hard, but not detail oriented and knowing your strengths and weaknesses and just accepting those. And I always tell clients, I say, you know, I would be so impressed if a job candidate came up and said, here are 10 things I'm really good at. 
here are 10 things I'm not good at. Oh my gosh. I would be so impressed. A user guide to yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you would think, okay, that's great. This person, I can really hone in on what they're good at and use them in the most optimal ways Yeah. and not waste a lot of time trying to put a square peg into a round hole. Right. And, and then I'm like, this person knows and they're okay with that. Like you don't have to be good at everything. You're not supposed to be good at everything. You can't be, you can't be. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, and it's okay if you're not at first and then you become good at all those, you you Mm -hmm. can grow to that. Yeah. But nobody knows everything first day, but I love that a user guide to yourself. Yeah. Like I might use that. Please do. Cause I'm like telling all my clients, like tell people, like tell your roommates, tell your, the people you're dating, tell your family, like, this is how I tick. This is how I operate. This is, you know, how you can understand me. This is what I figured out about myself. Like we could have such smoother relationships and smoother jobs and everything. And even, you know, just couples not to get off on a tangent, because that's super easy for me. But (laughs) if couples in their in their couples counseling would just say, okay, help me understand the way you think, because this is the way I process things. And I don't really understand why you took that that way or why that bothers you so much. But I know there's a good reason. Right. You know, in fact, we had a discussion like this at your house the other day. Yeah. But um, it's just like we all have different sensitivities. Right. Different passions, different convictions. And it's like we just need all need each other to make the world go round. You know, I've actually had employees tell me, is there anything, any way you could write stuff down? Like, can we get a whiteboard and you write stuff down? So you can remind them of everything. Just telling me because I'm more of a a visual learner uh-huh, instead of auditory. And then, yeah. And then yeah. I've had people say, can you just be more direct with me? Cause I don't like all the, that's true. See, they're kind of giving you a little bit of their user's yeah. guide without knowing it. Like how it works that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's but some cool. are like, can, I need to know why. Yeah. They're advocating for themselves. Yeah. 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 But you make them feel comfortable enough to that. where they will tell you mm-hmm. like, not always. <laughs> Not all of them. Yeah. Sometimes I see them shutting down and they say, you hurt my feelings. I'm like, well, she told me to be direct. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And some people can handle it and some people can't. Right. That's part of their user's guide. And we don't know what their whole background is that brought them to that day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so any last tips or thoughts? And I know, Gail, you're over there listening and you probably have a lot of career I'm going to interview Gail about her career later, but do you all have any other tips for like telling a young adult or a teenager the best advice you can about how to figure out what you're supposed to do in your life to make a living? Anything, Gail? Well, I've always said, you've got to love it. And for me, the minute I started not loving it, I stopped. And mm-hmm. rearrange myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, and some of us aren't as lucky. Yeah. But I will guarantee that when you were selling cigarettes, you loved it because the outcome was what you wanted. It wasn't a passion. It wasn't about selling money. cigarettes. Right. The outcome was money. So it was like, oh, well, there's a means to the end. It served a purpose. Which you can be, feel good about. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the evolution is making that bigger or whatever and getting yeah. 10 people to sell cigarettes. And I think me. one of nope. the frustrating things <laughs> that I see in young people now, and sometimes I blame our generation because uh, we lived through a really successful yeah. career path and uh-huh. 
you know, when I chose a career, it was, do you want to be a secretary and a nurse or a teacher? Yes. And now you can be anything. And yeah. that is super confusing. It's almost paralyzing it's as paraly- well. It would be paralyzing to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that to find that, that thing that makes you excited. And, you know, I think some kids say, oh, well, I would really like to be an artist. And the very first thing they hear is, well, artists don't make enough money. They don't make any money. But uh-huh. you could go be a bartender yeah. and be an artist. And the means is you get your money to buy your art supplies. And then, and so I just think it's finding the, the thing that makes you excited. Yes. I agree. Sometimes I tell people, if you can find a career that you would still do if you won the lottery, that is an amazing career. And it doesn't, it's not always exciting. Mm-hmm. There are those, you know, I call them shit show days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just happen. And I mean, I, so my business of selling food at festivals, I'm outside all the time. I mean, it's a hundred degrees out there, but I'm outside. Mm-hmm. I'm in the sun mm-hmm. and it's 30 degrees sometimes, but mm-hmm. I'm outside. And you like being busy and productive and you get a lot of instant results. Yes. And then, but then there's the spring and fall where we have beautiful weather. You just, there's good days, there's bad days, but at the end of the day, would you rather be doing something else? Yeah. And, um, it's true. Well, another important piece related to what Gail just said is, you know, your end goal not everyone gets the opportunity to do a career that they absolutely love. Right. And there are, you know, times where it makes a whole lot of sense to say, well, there's an opportunity I have to do something staying at home and working from home. I don't necessarily want to sell makeup or in the old days Tupperware, but I can stay with my kids and make money. That's not really a dream for me. Or someone might say, well, there's a job that's pretty lucrative and I can work part time and make good money. What I really want to do is till my farm and plant vegetables and have chickens and cows. And, you know, so their passion or their calling might be more their farm, but that may not make ends meet the way their little side job that's not that rewarding. Or like you said, you live in a little shack. Yes. You don't have the big farmhouse. And I think, like Gail touched on it when we were kids, um, you can be a nurse, a secretary or... Yeah, you have three or four options. Marry the boss. Yeah. (laughs) Like, just stupid. And then, so, take that to nowadays, there's a lot of pressure because parents are telling you, go be a, I can't remember, a couple years ago, it was some job that was the the world was saying we need more of and you can make tons of money. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not always about all the money. You don't have to make $200,000 a year to be happy. You can, I know somebody who's happy teaching at $35,000 a year mm-hmm. has the cutest stinking house. Mm-hmm. And now that we're at 55, you stayed in that house. It's paid for. Your and quality of life matters more than yeah. the amount of worth of your, your possessions. Yeah. So you don't have to, um, you don't have to be what your parents say you have to oh, do yeah. or be or make or oh yeah and how many times you hear you are foolish if you blah 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 mm-hmm. well and you know i i wasn't born into a family with money and my out my response always was hey when you're gonna pay my mortgage i'm gonna listen to you mm-hmm. but for now since i'm taking care of myself what mm-hmm. do you care if i'm couch surfing mm-hmm. you know 
So I know friends and clients who have kind of chosen a job to make their parents happy. Right. One was law school. And if you knew that friend, I mean, that is not a good fit for her. She is just a very, she'd probably been happier being a counselor and she never practiced, but she suffered through hell for three years Um, of law school and maybe practiced for a year after she got married. Another friend that was a doctor became, I believe, an oncologist, hated it. But she said, what am I going to do? I have $200,000 of loans. Right. What do I do? Um, I had a client, a college student years ago who spent two months trying to work up the nerve to tell her parents, I'm going to drop my pre-med major. And she was just trying to work up the courage and she was dreading it. And I was trying to help her. Finally, she told her parents, I need to talk to you, you know, sit down. And they sat down and she goes, so I'm dropping my pre-med major. And they go, is that it? We thought you were going to tell us something terrible. And, you know, she had gone through like two years of like stress and like. Because of what they think would think. Yes. Assuming that. And they probably said things that indicated they wanted her to consider that. But she just thought it was going to be the end of the world for them. So, but it it is a really interesting point. Like your calling or your career doesn't exactly have to be what you do nine to five. No, it could be just what pays the bills and your calling is volunteer work or summer mission projects or exactly. Yeah. Arts and crafts or, well, and you can, you can, um, there's paid jobs to be those. Yeah. Those positions. Mm -hmm. You, you start off volunteering. And you move to that. Yeah. And you have your other little, you know, you live. That's the other thing. Younger people think they have to get their own place right out of college. I never had my own place until, mm-hmm. you know, you they move put up so a much bit. pressure on themselves. Yeah. You're never home anyway when you're a kid. Yeah. When you're in your twenties, you're working and playing. Mm-hmm. Right. So get roommates, feed off each other, and help each other. You just nowadays, and I think the internet plays a lot, big part in it. You just, you think you graduate from college, get a job and have it all. Mm-hmm. You get the house, you go plunk your credit card down and fill it with furniture. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't, you just, um, yeah, there's, take your time, have faith. Mm-hmm. It'll get finished. It'll get, be right. It'll be perfect. Mm-hmm. It'll. A lot of young people or young couples who feel like they're living, you know, below the poverty line, find those years to be very simple Mm -hmm. and very precious and very bonding and character building in the end Mm -hmm. and like racking up a lot of debt just so that you look like you've arrived. It's like, who says you had to have arrived and be in a really great financial position when you're in your twenties. Right. Right. That's more the rarity, not the norm. Yeah. Well, I hope that this will encourage people because I'm just finding it you know, shocking how many people are just very distressed and very self-deprecating, very ashamed. I would say too, um, everybody has a gut. Mm -hmm. Talk to adults. Mm -hmm. Talk to like, my employees will come to me. They have Mm -hmm. a gut that, you know, they won't come to another boss in the business, Mm -hmm. but they'll come to me. Yeah. Um, Don't be afraid of your boss ever. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you do a really good job in whatever you're doing, even if you don't love it, somebody will very, there's a good chance someone will come and try to recruit you. Like, can you come work at my office or can you come do this Mm -hmm. or I'll help you pay for school. Like you would be great at this. And when you make a mistake, it's you learn from that. Yeah. Don't worry about it and own it. 
Yeah. But if you're responsible, reliable, hardworking, yeah. and you can put yourself out there and you know who you are, I mean, those are all things you can control. The, I would say the most important thing for an employee, mm-hmm. show up mm-hmm. and you'll be fine. You'll yeah. learn. Um, if you just show up, you will learn your job. You will excel if you want to. Mm-hmm. That's the number one. To yeah. And your boss will then tell your boss, I want to grow. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you said, well, let's talk about your user manual to yourself. Yeah. Um, I know. I It's one of my favorite little mm-hmm. metaphors. Um, a couple really quick practical things that I just thought might be helpful for people to think through. Would one, go through either college majors or community college majors mm-hmm. and look at careers that you don't even know exist. Technical like, yeah, school. Yeah, like x-ray techs, ultra stenographers, um, breathing, uh, respiratory therapists. Mm-hmm. You know, there are all these really lucrative. Someone was just telling me that um, dental hygienists make like, 60 or $70,000 a year. Yeah. And there are a lot of careers that people don't realize exist. And you can also take all kinds of little career tests. Um, you know, the, the, some of the old classics that I learned like the Holland self-directed search or the ASVAB, which is like the military kind mm-hmm. of interest test. And Oh, the military. You can, if you yeah. don't have the means to get to your end, you can do it through the military. Yeah. Well, even looking at your family can be interesting. And some people cringe, like, I don't want to look at what my family did. But, you know, you start looking at some of what your ancestors did, aunts, uncles, cousins, or they Mm -hmm. into art or music or medicine or law or teaching or, Mm -hmm. you know, craftsmen, you know, or real estate people, you know, anything. And sometimes that does give you direction, like there's a little spark in an area that you didn't really think about, you know, right. Or also my dad was a mailman mm-hmm. and he was the best mailman ever. Mm-hmm. He loved his job. People still talk about him. Wow. He was, he was legendary. Happy. Oh yeah. After he, he passed, mm-hmm. after he passed, people started telling me stories about my dad, the mailman. I couldn't believe it. That's neat. There was this one older lady who was, she was kind of an odd lady. Mm-hmm. And he had, he had a cup of coffee with her every day at 10. Oh, like clockwork. Yeah. She was sort of shunned in town a little bit. But anyway, like clockwork. Yeah. Wow. Just, he was, and people said, your dad was always smiling and something would be whistling. He, he just was, loved his job and was this great mailman versus you could be a surly mailman. It's raining and not smelling anybody and be like, and you and I would be like, oh, yeah, here comes the mailman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's really neat. Yeah. So it, my dad loved what he did. It was a mailman. That's amazing when you can make ends meet and love what you're doing mm-hmm. and not dread going to work. No. Nope. Satisfying. You know, you always have to be the CEO. Uh-uh. Yes. Right. I think that's the. Yeah. The achievement like status thing. Another one of my favorite little, I don't know what you would call them, but just uh, favorite little self-talk type things to tell people like the user's guide is pretty much nothing in life is going to be much better than 80% satisfying. Right. So if you're trying to find a job that's a hundred percent satisfying and you, and you know, there's zero that you dislike about your job, there's always going to be something you don't like about a, yeah. you know your job. <laughs> But if you can get 80% happiness with your job, that is amazing. If you can find a person that you're 80% happy with or a house or a church or a neighborhood. I mean, life's never going to be perfect. So my dad, 
I asked him later in life why he loved being a mailman. He worked 8.30 to 4.30. He dropped us off at school and picked us up from our after-school activities. And he had weekends, nights, (laughs) holidays with us. He See, the produce, lifestyle. He really he thought through just, the schedule. Yeah, he said I worked, and I knew every day I'd be 8.30 to 4.30. He just, he loved it. That's so sweet. And he had this many weeks vacation, and we'd plan them during our school times off. And yeah, so there's that too. Yeah, he chose the schedule. He chose the schedule mm-hmm. and loved that, and he loved people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've known people that chose their specialty of medicine or you know, anything based on the schedule. Like, am I going to have to work a lot of evenings? You know, right. we have friends that are chefs that just have to work all weekend and till midnight. And right. you know all about right. that as yeah. well. Yeah. But so, yeah, that's a, that was a big factor. And so he could be happier at his job because mm-hmm. it afforded him all this time off with his, mm-hmm. you know, kids and family hunting and fishing mm-hmm. and well, thank you so much. I really like the way you think outside the box and, you just knew you'd figure it out and you have, I mean, yeah. you're on an amazing adventure. And to me, that's a guarantee we all can have, but a lot of people don't believe it. Get out that box. Exactly. Yeah. Cause your box is what everybody told you it is. Yes. And once you get outside the box, you can't believe. Yeah. No wonder you're paralyzed in this box. A, yeah. with such limited options yes. that you assume are yeah. Yeah. the only real, real, you know, possibility. So well, thanks, Beth. Thank you so much. I learned about myself talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs>